Good morning. It's always great to come over to Whangarei on a day like today. I had a few relatives on the other side, Glink uh, Skelly, and um, we've been doing a bit of a painting project on the, on the batch, and some of their family have come up over the weekend, so some of them wanted to come, but they couldn't get away. So they said, are you sure you want to go? <laughs> the sea is absolutely gorgeous over there. And uh, finally, that cold southerly or wherever it is, it's uh, tapered down. But it's been a, a really nice break, and, um, and we just uh, thoroughly enjoying our time up here. And obviously, you know, we've, we catch whales over that side, and uh, <laughs> uh, we're not too sure what happened to it. It just disappeared. They were going to bury it, but it didn't. It uh, kind of got washed out again. But. Uh, just to appreciate the church too. This church has been partnering with us for some time. I've been given the fancy title of President Emeritus of World Outreach. We've never had one before. So they kind of said, um, develop your own job description uh, when I stepped away as international director. And, um, and so it's been a year, uh, well, three years now since uh, I handed over to Bruce Hills, uh, a former pastor in Australia who now is the director of World Outreach. And... Um, the mission just continues to grow because there's just opportunities everywhere. And uh, we wanted to give back to New Zealand as well because New Zealand has been such a blessing to world outreach and as well as to ourselves and, and many who serve in world outreach uh, from New Zealand. And so we're enjoying being based here, but we're tra still traveling quite a lot. And uh, we're, we're enjoying the travel in the point of view that we're seeing good things taking place. And uh, our major focus is unreached people groups. And I just thought I would just uh, highlight a, a few things to give you some understanding of, uh, you know, what unreached people groups are. Because people kind of look at you like one eye closed, you know, like, what's he on about? But, there's, you know, we are, we're a tribal people, basically, worldwide. And uh, there are tribal groups around the world in the millions, many of them in the millions, that have never yet heard the gospel once. And uh, we came across a statistic recently from Christianity Today, and they said 80% of all unreached people groups have never met a Christian. They don't even know what a Christian looks like. So they're out there, and uh, we use the illustration sometimes of a fruit tree the, the, the fruit that's within easy reach or possibly, you know, a bit of a stretch, we've been able to reach those groups of people represented by fruit on the tree. But the unreached people groups is like the ones at the top. And we kind of need a bit more of a cooperation, pulling together and um, organizations partnering with organizations. No one ministry's got it all. And yet... Uh, just to give you some encouragement as to how we're going, in 1920, they were saying that 90% of, of the unreached people groups remained unreached, 90% 100 years ago. Today, less than 20% remain unreached. So there's real progress. So just to break up this little info sharing, I'll, um, we're going to show a, DV, a little video clip and it's only about three minutes long, but it's a great little tune, and it's just highlighting how quickly life passes by, and we've just got to say, well, what could I possibly be doing that I'm not doing to partner with what God is wanting to do to see every tribe, every group, every ethnic group have an opportunity to hear what Jesus has done for them?
And um, you may don't have to be a missionary to do that. You could be a, in education, you could be in politics, you could be in business, whatever. But do we have a vision to partner with what God is doing today around the world? And this little video clip kind of says it all. So if we could play that, it would be great. Thank you.
can use me, Lord. We have a master who demands radical obedience and a mission that warrants radical urgency. And we do not have time to waste our lives. Church, we are plan A, and there is no plan B. Well, I was going to say, turn to your neighbor and tell them I'm part of plan A, but um, you know, we're going to make a choice, don't we? We want to be part of God's plan. And whatever we are in the world, and Kiwis do fly, believe it or not, um, you know, we can be ambassadors for the Lord. If you want to get away from um, the winter break uh, around ju- end of July, I know you don't have a winter up here, but um, other parts of New Zealand does. Um, but uh, on the 27th to the 30th of July, World Outreach is having a global conference and quite a lot of pastors and uh, lay people are coming as well as the missionaries from around the world. Uh, we bring them together and, and you just get to hear firsthand some amazing stuff that we can't even publish, we can't show on video. So these are kind of closed door kind of conferences, but you register to come and you sit there and you're kind of like, wow, okay, this is amazing. You know, we don't hear these sorts of things. So we kind of feel like we need to put things on like this to let the world know, the body of Christ know, that uh, the Holy Spirit has really has got an agenda and while the, polit- the world's politically unstable and economically, no one knows what's going to happen and all these sorts of things, and it's been like this for a long time, uh, God's plan is, is uh, going to come to pass. And uh, it's His desire to use us to be part of it in our generation. We can't look back and past generations, but we can focus on our generation and what we can do to win more into the kingdom of God. It's all about eternity, friends. If you have your Bibles, uh, well, I'll, I'll read anyway, whether you have them or not, but um, Joshua, I'm talking about Caleb this morning a little bit um, to do with uh, certain quality. I just want to look at three things in his life that I see that we really need if we're going to be movers and shakers of what God is looking for in this generation to get the gospel to where it needs to go. Um, we've got ministries in Indonesia that are like surfing ministries. Now, I don't know if Kiwis are into surfing, but, you know, a good way is to, you know, you actually have people out there on the water talking to all these tourists that come out and the locals and and you do surfing. So sports is another way in which you can also serve God. Education, health, uh, just the practical things. Our son-in-law came to me once and he said, you know, he was pretty raw as far as missions goes. If I was to do something that would have uh, help and uh, got, that could be of help and have lasting benefit overseas as a skill. Besides doing the mission work, what skill? And I said, plumber, electrician, uh, builder, uh, you know, IT, and I just listed off a whole bunch of things. You could take those skills overseas and transplant them into 10 or 15 or 20 disciples that you're, you know, you're mentoring, and the multiplication effect... We've got to start thinking about multiplication. It's not just about me and my ministry and what I could do, but what could I give away that could be multiplied many, many times over by just investing a year of my time, two years of my time into a group of people. People catch what is on us. People catch vision. They catch our anointing. And they're drawn to the fact that we would give up time to go and spend with them that they could benefit. 
and they run with it, and they'll be friends for life as we, uh, you know, recognize that opportunity and take it. So anyway, let me get to Caleb, and I just want to highlight a few things to do with this man that I feel is something of priority today, even in my life, as we keep going forward uh, as to what still needs to happen. It says, now the men of Judah, in verse, chapter 14, verse 6, now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite said to him, you know what the Lord has said to me, or said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. He said, I was 40 years old when Moses, a servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. I love that. We've got to stand on our convictions, not waver. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So that on that day, Moses swore to me, the, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out, and I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord has promised me that day. Father, we thank you, Lord, for characters like Caleb and Joshua and others, Lord, that, Lord, are an inspiration because we know they were just ordinary people, but they encountered the living God. And here we are today, Lord, a gathering of ordinary people but our lives have encountered you, we've, we've met with you, and we're different today than the days when we did not know you. And so we want our lives to count, just as that video said, we only have that short time span, may our lives count and have eternal value. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, God has good thoughts toward us. Uh, sometimes we, we don't have... <laughs> sometimes good thoughts about ourselves. We kind of see our shortcomings. We see areas of our lives that, you know, needed, need help. And yet, throughout Scripture, you see God highlights something about somebody that He's really, really pleased with. We know Abraham was called a friend of God. It's nice when people introduce you, this is my friend. Uh, we lived in Singapore for quite a number of years, and, and um, you know, Singaporeans, they're, they're a fast race of life, and um, we, must have, we must catch up sometime, you know, as they say. We must catch up. We must have a meal together. Of course, those meals are generally out. They don't have you in the home so much as, let's go out, because there's pl plenty of places to eat. And then they introduce you to somebody that you meet, and they say, oh, this is our, my, our friends, John and Mary Elliot. But it's been a whole year since we saw them last, and yet we're their dear friends, but it's nice to be called a friend. Abraham was called a friend. Job, God talks of Job being blameless, upright, who fears God and hates evil. David, King David, it says, a man after God's heart. I'd like to have that one, you know, to be known. A guy after God's heart. And Caleb, 
It says he, was a, he had a different spirit and he followed God wholeheartedly. In Numbers 14, 24, I just quote it, it just says, But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, has followed me fully or wholeheartedly, and I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. You see, the beautiful thing about when God gives us a, a passion or a vision or a desire to pursue something, often we think it's just about me and my ministry. It's just about, you know, like, uh, you know, this is my time with God. But God doesn't look at just limit it to us and our lifetime. He's thinking of the next generation and the next generation that will follow. And so what you and I do for God can influence the next generation behind us. And I've got some family that, um, well, my you know, extended family members who are not following the Lord, but I was saying to their parents, as they keep, and they're hot for God too, as they keep pressing into God, the kids are watching the parents. The kids are watching the walk of God on their life. Do they waver? Do they have doubts? Do they, do they stumble along at all? And if as the parents stay strong in their faith, it speaks volumes to the kids. And what the parents achieve is going to also be a benefit to the children. And so Caleb, what he's asking for wasn't just for him, but his whole family under him and those under them would benefit from what he's asking. Give me my mountain. Give me, God, the things that you have promised. In Caleb, we see a man who had a different spirit to others around him. And I, I believe we should be different. We should be seen to be different. We should stand out. We shouldn't be embarrassed in any way to be identified as a Christian. Especially those of us who have convictions that we won't waver. We won't sort of say, well, everyone's doing it, so I guess it's okay. Yeah, this book needs to be updated and brought into the 21st century. It's a bit of outdate. No, it's not. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's eternal. These words are eternal. God doesn't change. And we're not. We're to stay true to what he's asked us to do. So we're, we're to stand out. And not in any kind of pride and judgmental way, but we are to be different. And Caleb must have been a thorn in the flesh of the children of Israel. For 45 years, he's saying, we can do it. We can overcome. We can, we can possess the land. But the majority listened to the negative reports. Who are we? What could we do? It says in Numbers that the uh, 10 spies that had that negative report, because 12 of them went out, and Joshua and Caleb were the only ones coming back with a positive report saying, yes, we, we can conquer. We're well able. The other 10, though, prevailed with their negativism, saying, these, these, we felt like grasshoppers in the sight of these giants. It's just too big a challenge. But for 45 years, Caleb kept chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. We can do it, we can do it. It's time. Give me what God promised. So let's just quickly look at three attributes to do with Caleb. First of all, he, he was a believer. He believed in God's promises. Some of us have had prophecies. Some of us have had, we've got things written under in, in our Bible underlined where God has spoken something to us and we could almost like hang our hat on it, you know, put the house on it, so to speak. We know it was God. And yet it hasn't come to pass. And we've got to believe that if God has said it, God's going to do it. 
We've got to hang out with people who fuel our vision, feed our vision, not those who kind of bring us, trying to bring us down to their level of, oh, I don't know what I could ever do for God. We've got to lift them up. We've got to encourage people to recognize their potential. It's the difference between someone seeing a glass half full or a glass half empty. There's a lot, even in church circles, there's a lot of people, all they see is a glass half empty. They can't imagine anything more being added to it. And yet we are to see the glass half full, that it could, it could overflow, it could increase. That if God is in it and God is asking us to do things, God is well able. You know, in North India, there's a group of people called the Bajpuri. Uh, the Bajpuri were, a, it's a, there's about 90 million of them last count. I don't know who counted them, but somebody counted them, and they say there's 90 million of them. And missionaries for over 100 years, about 130 years now, have been working amongst the Bajpuri, and, um, you know, say a missionary put in anywhere from 15 to 25 years service. And they said, on an average, most went out, left, and returned home, or, or died on the field, but they only saw a handful of converts in their many years of service. It can't be done, says a lot of people. The glass half full kind of thing, half empty. They, it can't be done. These are obstinate people, difficult people. Well, the Southern Baptists in, in America had some missionaries over there who were, you know, doing the stuff amongst the Bajpuri. But uh, they also kind of felt, we're trying to, we're trying to um, get them to come into a building. We're trying to sort of put a buy some land and build a building and create some pews and, and let people come in and do church the way we do church at home. But these people, they worship their idols in their homes. They, 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 you know, their homes are full of all kinds of fetishes and things like that. Everything's around the home and around food. So why don't we try to bring the gospel into their homes and have some food as well? And of course, you've got to get an entry into the home. And so how do you do that? Well, you, you go looking for a man or woman of peace. Somebody's got a need. And, and so they, they started, a group of them got together and they started looking for opportunities to pray for the sick. And as soon as somebody gets dramatically healed, well, you've, you've just got a captured audience. Who did this? And so you share Jesus. And so a home opens up. Well, I'm, I'm abbreviating now because the, the Southern Baptists saw a real breakthrough amongst the Bajpuri. And today it's called a church planting movement. And they have seen in 15 years some 40,000 house churches established, led by Bajpuris, as a result of people having, coming out of darkness into the light and, and discovering Jesus Christ. They have recorded more than 2 million baptisms of Bajpuris in 15 years. Missionaries toiled for over a hundred years and saw so little, and then suddenly God breaks through. And these guys are just ordinary guys believing that something good could come out of, or these people were loved by God and God needed to reach them. So they believed, they believed that God had called them. They believed they had a plan and a purpose, God had a plan and a purpose. And so friends, believing is one thing, but faith is also not blind, and there's heaps of obstacles and troubles and difficulties when you go on, even on a mission field, let alone just everyday life. Life is full of challenges. 
So faith is not blind. It's, even Caleb went out. He surveyed the land. He saw the giants. He saw the walled cities. And they were real. He could, he could touch them and he could see them. And, and they were very, very real obstacles. But faith is confessing and declaring God's promises in the face of the challenge. Faith is speaking to our mountain of obstacles or red tape or difficulties. Faith is saying, yeah, it's real. I'm sick. You know, I can't imagine how I'm going to recover. But my Bible says, my God's, we've got to hear ourselves declare God's word. We've got to hear ourselves speak the promises of God. Because his word, it's, it's hard to understand, but when we confess the word of God, the Holy Spirit takes that word and things happen. Jean Vier and Claudine Yoganilli are French missionaries serving with us in world outreach. And um, they had this burden to go to the Ivory Coast and uh, to a particular town and start a work there. And I mean, you know, they got the prophecies, they got the promises, they went there and they just hit roadblock after roadblock. So much so that there was a, uh, Ivory Coast is borders with Burkina Faso in the north and rebels from Burkina Faso were coming across because, you know, the tri again, tribal, the tribal groups are saying, we don't want to be part of Ivory Coast, we want to have our own homeland. And so there was a lot of fighting going on and the Yokanillis were caught up in this. On two occasions, the French uh, Air Force came in and rescued a whole bunch of French citizens, and, and they got flown out back to France, and, and then when things settled down, they returned. But on one occasion, on their third evacuation, uh, they were told to wait in their home. Things were getting serious. You know, the rebels were running amok, and all sorts of things were happening. And uh, they and their four children had to get on their hands and knees and crawl around the house because if they got up at window level, just stray bullets could come through the windows. All their windows were broken. And so they, for four days, they were on their hands and knees crawling around, waiting to be told, okay, we've come to pick you up, take you to the airport and fly you out. But no one came. They were forgotten. And uh, some of their neighbors were evacuated, but they weren't. But they dare not lift their heads up and see what's going on outside. And they just thought when it calmed down one day, early one morning, they got up and said, we've just got to walk to the airport. And so they did. And they were about, uh, about a, half a kilometer, they said, from their home. And a, a, a pickup truck came by. And fortunately, it was a French uh, paratrooper. And he just said, where are you going? We want to go to the airport. So they threw them on the back. And, and they got to the airport and got flown out. You think Jean-Vierre and Claudine could say, listen, people say, listen, guys, it's not working out. Give up. Not give up, but, you know, you've done your dash. No one, would, no one will criticize you if you don't ever go back again. That's pretty tough. Well, they waited four months till things settled down, and they're back there now. Today, they've started a school. A school for that has about 40% Christian and 60% non-Christians, French-speaking. And today their influence into the, into the education system, not just in Ivory Coast, is now into neighboring countries, is just phenomenal. The opportunity for children to be trained in a Christian school. You see, these things are real. You could give up. 
A lot of the children of Israel gave up when they saw the giants and the walled cities. But when God puts something in your heart and you know that you belong to God, then God's got to work it out for you. But we've just got to keep going forward. And I just felt this morning, even coming over here, there's some people that, you know, you're not called to go to Ivory Coast. You're not even called necessarily to leave New Zealand, but you're facing some challenges. And it's just like the Lord is saying, tell them, keep going forward. Don't stop. Don't give up. You could justify why you give up, but don't keep going forward. And watch and let the word of God run from your mouth. Let the word confess things. Open up your Bible. Pick a few scriptures out that mean something to you. Declare it. But friends, we're in a warfare. And we need men and women who know how to stand strong in their faith. So God's promises in 2 Corinthians 1.20 are yea and amen. If God has said it, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to bring our families into the kingdom of God. Because we know it's his will that every household should come into his, into his family. And so we can pray the will of God without doubt that God wants our, our children saved, our grandchildren saved. But at the same time, we've got to keep going forward with our convictions, not giving in to the, the liberal policies that are being thrown at us today to say, well, you know, everyone else is going this way, so, you know, we've got to say, what does the Bible say about these issues? And let that be the, the platform from which we operate. So God's promises are yes and amen. And here's a quote that I picked up recently, it just spoke volumes to me because I, I was looking at my own life and thinking about it. The quote is, God fulfills all his promises. I agree. But he's not obligated to fulfill my potential. God will fulfill all his promises, but he's not obligated to fulfill my potential. That's my choice, the choices I have to make, the decisions I have to make. And so if we're going to make a mark, we're going to see these next 20% or so of unreached people groups reached in our lifetime. And I believe with all my heart, it can happen. I believe within a short time frame, even in this decade, well and truly in this decade, the last 20% of unreached people groups can be reached. I'm glad that New Zealanders are still being called to go overseas and give some time, whatever it might be, a year, two years, five years, to come alongside and serve a particular vision or a project. We've got uh, three people in the pipeline already, and it looks like one of them might go in April a young lady from the Waikato, possibly going into Africa, and then another young couple from Auckland wanting to go into Indonesia. You know, God's calling people, and uh, we've got to hear that. We've got to know what God's called us to do. We're not all called to go, but we're certainly all called. The second thing about Caleb is that he was very trusting and very patient. He had to be, hadn't he? 45 years. Nothing's going on. Anyway, uh, he had a dream, and he had a dream, and that dream wouldn't diminish. He believed it was going to come to pass. Recently, uh, we were made aware of a, a widow lady, of, um, of a friend, some friends of ours, who um, had a call on her life when she was in her teens, 
And it was very real. And she, she just believed one day God was going to open the way and she was going to serve God cross-culturally outside New Zealand. Anyway, as, as in, she made certain choices and decisions in life and got married. But she got married to a non-Christian guy and they actually had a very good marriage. Uh, he loved her and she loved him, but he wasn't inclined to do what she wanted to do overseas. And so she just chose to love her husband, raise her family. But he un unfortunately took ill and died in his mid uh, late 50s. And um, she says, what do I do with the rest of my life? Here I am in my late 50s. I've got life's experience. I've got skills. I've got time. I've got a few resources. Today, she's serving God overseas and loving it. When God puts something in your heart, he doesn't take it away and says, oh, you made a bad choice. I'll give that to someone else. It stays with us because God is in charge of our lives and God will do. And so we've got to be patient. And Caleb was, definitely was. We've got to be trusting. And thirdly, God, uh, Caleb remained focused. He had a lot of distractions. He had, must have had a lot of people saying, oh, for goodness Christ, you know, for goodness sake, shut up. You know, we can do it. No, just go away. The needle had stuck. And he was saying the same things again and again. His dream, though, kept him alive. I love Psalm 92 and uh, verse 12. It says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree and they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord, and they will flourish in the courts of our God. And verse 14 is for all gold card members. It says, they will bear fruit in old age, and they will still stay fresh and green. Who's, who, again, who's to tell us what we can and cannot do for God? And even our families would say, you know, like, hang on a minute, you know. Don't you think you're a bit past it? No way. We keep running for God. We keep believing that His Word and the promises of His Word will come to pass. It says, like a palm tree, we can produce our greatest harvest of fruit in our latter years as our roots go deep. And we've got to stay strong. Caleb was saying, you know, I, however, have followed the Lord wholeheartedly. He was almost like saying, you know, I can give these young bucks a run for their money. I've stayed true. They've wavered. They've, they don't know what they want to do. But I am going to serve God and I'm going to serve Him with all my heart. For some of us, friends, in closing, we need to be asking the Lord, give me my mountain. And I don't know what you're asking for today, but you've got to say, give me my mountain. Something that's maybe lingered for some while you haven't seen it come you know have, you know things that were real once today still haven't come to pass it's time to ask God give me my mountain some of us we don't have a, a mountain or a promise we can tangibly sort of say you know this is what I I'm asking for Lord so you need to say Lord give me another mountain Maybe you've conquered your mountain. Maybe it's time to say, Lord, give me another mountain. But get hungry for God. Last uh, week, we had to uh, return back to um, the Bay of Plenty. And, uh, you know, 
was raised up this part of the country, so I kind of know the Northern Wairau River really well. Um, and coming over today was like, you know, I'm following it as well. And as I'm going, and I've worked on that river, and I know where there's a book being written about Te Kaupuru and its uh, past histories and all the rest of it, and people from different generations have contributed stories to make up this book. And apparently Te Kaupuru was a thriving going to say city, um, village, the river was alive with activity, uh, people on the river, not just fish, but uh, the fact is it was a thriving sort of a place, and so uh, here, are, you know, you, you think of these things, you read the stories, and you can't imagine because it's just so quiet and so empty at the moment, so I'm driving down, and I just felt like the Lord directed me uh, about this year for myself uh, from Ezekiel 47. And, um, and it's, it's where they measure, they do four measurements as, as to the depth of the river of God. And it's ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, and then you swim in the river. And I just felt like the Lord saying to me, you're going to make a choice, John, which, you know, like I had to assess what level I'm at. Am I ankle deep level with my walk with God, just giving him the, you know, the splashing around level of experience? Or have I gone further in? Am I up to my knees? Or am I up to my waist? But I just felt the Holy Spirit says, John, I want you to swim in my river this year. But it's my choice. What's it going to require? But I believe God is wanting us to go deeper into the river of God. I believe there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit expected in many nations and it's happening in some of the nations already that, are, that we're relating to. But I believe even here in New Zealand, coming back to New Zealand, it's not just sort of to wait until my 75 years or whatever the video says is my allotted time. But the fact is, I believe that this nation will accept and receive something fresh from God if we are hungry for it. But it's going to require you and I to go beyond the ankle, beyond the knee, beyond the waist, and swim in what God wants us to experience this year. It's our choice, a choice that we have to make. We can say, well, I've been Christian for a long time, you know, and, and I've seen it all, and I've been around, etc., etc. But God is saying, come into the middle of my river. There's a flow this year. There's going to be a presence this year. It will take you into the current of God's presence. will take us to places we haven't been before. The current of God's presence has got a supply of everything we would need. And the thing in, uh, in Psalm, Psalm 46, it talks about the river of God flowing from the river of God. It will make the city of Jerusalem glad. And the, the beautiful thing about God's river is that it's a healing river. It's got everything in that river, the depth of his presence. How hungry are we? And that's the only way we're going to get amongst unreached people groups. We're going to see more hungry people saying, I want to do something of substance with my life for the kingdom of God. And they're willing to get out and do things, go deeper and deeper and deeper, and knowing that God's saying, they that seek after me, I will reward them. <laughs> He's a rewarder. I like rewards. Don't we all? Would you stand with me, please? Don't forget to mark J July 27 to 30 if you want to come into some lovely warmth and food and tropical climate in Thailand for the World Outreach Conference, uh, if you've got nothing to do. Um, 
We have a pastor friend down in Mangawai. He came to one uh, three years ago and uh, it's changed his whole missions approach. He just caught something, not from me, from sitting down talking to a missionary. He just, oh, we've got to get involved. This is exciting stuff. Never heard of it before. You know, you want to be, have a radical experience. Sometimes we just got to get out of our comfort zone. Hallelujah. Before I close, I'd like to just extend an invitation. If there's anyone here that um, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then what a great way to start a year by having two birthdays. The 19th of January, 2020, I gave my life to the Lord. You know, I'm tired of living my own life, chasing after my own ideas. I want to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If there's anyone here you do not know that if you were to leave this world, you have no idea where you're going to go, then you don't really know the Lord. And He wants you to know Him. He wants to come in and invade your life and give you a sense of absolute purpose to living. If you'd like to have that relationship with Jesus Christ, have your sins forgiven, just give me a little wave and I'd love to pray with you. Anybody, don't go from the meeting today kind of thing, oh, I should have gone up, you know, I'm not sure, and it's a long time ago. Anyone? Right. There goes my evangelistic ministry. <laughs> but what I uh, do have on my heart too this morning is, uh, is for you and I to do a symbolic, something symbolic. We're sort of saying, okay, God... Uh, I've really enjoyed my walk with you to date, but there's got to be more. There's got to be more. I'm dissatisfied with the status quo. You know, I can only talk, think of good things, but still I have a hunger for more. And so I just feel like if you're willing, as I pray, and I'm going to pray with my eyes closed, I'm not going to know who's going to do this, but I just want you to take a step forward. Like you're going from ankle deep to knee deep, or maybe you're going from knee deep to waist deep, or maybe you're going from waist deep and you're saying, Lord, I'm going to get in this river. This is the year I'm going to get into the river of God. And we're just going to take that little step forward and not have a cold shower when we go out of here and in the car park. It's like, oh, I almost did something radical. Um, <laughs> stay true to what we say we're going to do. Press into God, because this year he's a rewarder of those who will seek after him. As I pray, you feel to take that old step of faith, do so. Father, I thank you for this dear congregation. I thank you for the men and women, Lord, in this uh, body that makes up Church Unlimited here in Whangarei, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that we're all different, and yet you have good thoughts toward us. You have a desire for us to come into a relationship, to be called, like Abraham, a friend of God. To be one like David who has a heart after God. To be like Caleb, Lord, one who has a different spirit, Lord. We don't have to be like the rest of, the, of New Zealanders. 